When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me is my fellow hosts, and uh, the uh, editorial goddess, uh, Ariel. <laughs> editorial goddess. Like, of, of all the abilities to have, like, to be a goddess of, it's not editing for me. It is editing. That is not, no. <laughs> no. And Daniel. Hi there. <laughs> so, today is time to uh, wrap up retribution finally time to be done with it send it away <laughs> i've had my retribution <laughs> so we're going to talk characters bow's and discussion today for retribution so ariel do you want to start off with characters sure why not okay <laughs> so the first on my list is alice i'm not going to cover her. don't need to next one is jill which don't need to cover her either mm-hmm so I'm gonna go into Good Rain. Good Rain. Okay. All yeah, right. The activist Rain. <laughs> Good activist. So the clone that came to be known as Good Rain was made from the DNA of Rain, Ocampo, and the Umbrella Prime test facility. And like all other Umbrella clones created at the facility, her purpose was to act as a test subject for Umbrella's T virus simulations. So while the suburbia simulation was going on, Good Rain was one of the ones activated and helped Alice and Becky try to get out. She uh, took them in her Prius. <laughs> Stop right there. Prius. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just screams activist. Oh, <laughs> uh, Prius. So, yeah, she took them in her Prius until the Prius was T-boned by a garbage truck. <laughs> the most ironic thing. <laughs> so, Alice and Becky took off thinking that Rain was dead. However, she was just knocked unconscious. And poor little Rain freaked out when she woke up at the horde of zombies going after Alice and Becky and just stayed in her car. And she did manage to survive 
the suburbia simulation and somehow found her way in the subway part of the Moscow simulation. And she encountered Becky and the original Alice. Because the first one was the clone Alice. Mm. So this is the original Alice. And had mistaken the original Alice for the clone. And wondered what her S&M getup was. Alice then showed Rain how to use one of the machine guns. Much to her protest, being an activist. A gun control activist. So she could protect Becky while she went to rescue Leon's strike team. When they eventually came back, they were all attacked by an Uber liquor, which ended up abduct abducting Becky and knocking Good Rain headfirst into a pillar, snapping her neck and killing her. Bum, 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 bum. I know, I was rooting for Good Rain. So. so that is what I've got on Good Rain. Let's go to Bad Rain. Well, before we go, Aww. I just want to clarify something. I'm not making fun of people who drive a Prius. I'm making fun of the fact that they made her so stereotypical in this movie. She's a gun activist. She drives a Prius. Like they, they tried to push the envelope of like the extreme for her to be an activist in this. That it's almost comical. Like, oh, it's it's a hundred percent comical because of Rain's actual character. Yeah, from the first movie. Yeah, I'm not. She was a gun-toting badass. I'm not saying anything bad about anybody who's an activist or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, they pushed her to like the Hollywood movie stereotype so hard. Oh, they went from one extreme to the other with her. <laughs> yeah. and it was great. And then to take her out with a garbage truck, that was just. But she didn't get taken out with a garbage I truck. I know, but the car got taken out with a garbage truck. Okay, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. So now let's go to Bad Rain. So Bad Rain was another clone created in the Prime facility. Bad Rain was activated and imprinted with enough basic memories to work as an umbrella security operative. And while she retained the skills and abilities of the real Rain, Bad Rain possessed none of her memories or care for human life. Which I don't know. Good, like, the original Rain wasn't, like, an evil bitch. But they make it seem like, oh, she, like, cares and loves people. And I don't see that either. No, she was definitely willing to sacrifice Alice if it came to it. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. So, Bad Rain worked under Jill's leadership and her little squad with Carlos and Juan. And Bad Rain cornered Alice and Ada in the Alice clone's house in suburbia, which then Alice made the comment... And now she hadn't changed at all, which was pretty funny, which confused Bad Rain because she had no idea what she was talking about, but we all knew what she was talking about. So skipping forward a little bit. So as everybody had gotten out on their little car, 
thinking, okay, this is it, the end of the movie. Here comes Jill and Bad Rain with Ada in a submarine to ruin their day. A fucking submarine. Yep. So Bad Rain ends up knocking Ada out and injecting herself with the Lost Pogs, which granted her superhuman strength and invulnerability. A lot of things I don't understand about this. I'll get into that with the discussion. So she injects herself, does the whole like hand-to-hand combat thing where she ends up somehow stopping Luther's heart and killing him with like little She's got sweet ninja moves. I know. She attempts to do the same thing to Alice, but doesn't succeed. And Bad Rain ends up taunting her that she can't kill her. So Alice utters her little line of like, I don't need to or whatever she had said, shoots the ground around her and sends her plummeting into the water where the Las Plagas undead grab her. That is the end of Bad Rain, supposedly. You just see them dragging her under the water. Hundreds of them. And that's that on Bad Rain. Rain's still a badass. Literally, because she's a bad guy. Oh. So, completely ignoring that and going straight into Becky. She was a clone, again. And she, just like all the other clones, were filled with, you know, a little bit of memories. And she had enough of the little memories project the right responses during the tests. So she willingly accepted Todd and Alice, which is Carlos and Alice, as her parents. With all three ignorant towards their lack of actual memories of each other, she was programmed to live a comfortable life in the suburbia test um, simulation with all three of them having been programmed to already know sign language. So that's kind of cool. So not to kind of go into redundancies here, you know, they were all attacked in the suburbia simulation. She ended up hiding until the actual Alice came. She had mistaken the actual Alice for her mom even though, you know, she had the weird clothes, whatever. She mistaken her for her mom and went with her. Then she ended up getting taken by the Uber liquor later on. Alice went and saved her. They ended up going to where the room filled with clones were. And Becky kind of had her little existential crisis of not really being real. But Alice kind of comforts her and tells her that she is her real mother now. So it's not exactly said what happens to Becky, even in the final chapter. However, this does list something that it is saying that she was killed in Washington, D.C. It's never, that's why I'm saying it now, because it was never confirmed in the final chapter. Of what happened to Becky. But supposedly everyone that went into Washington, D.C. with Alice died, except for Alice. 
So that's why you don't go places with Alice. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so that's that is what I have on Becky. So let's go into everyone's favorite secret Asian spy, Ada Wong. Secret Asian spy, huh? Secret Asian spy. <laughs> so in this movie, Ada is a former agent of Umbrella Corporation. Described as one of their top agents. She helps Alice in her journey and escape from the Russian Umbrella Facility. She was hired by Wesker to help Leon, Barry, and Luther infiltrate the underwater Umbrella Facility to retrieve Alice from the Red Queen's captivity. She successfully hacked the compound system and cut the power to the facility, which allowed Alice safe passage into the control room. During the power down, she kills several of the Umbrella soldiers that were in that control room to help Alice get her freedom. So when Alice ends up reaching the control room, Ada chooses to confront her with a gun to her back because that's how we confront people. So they end up fighting each other. And with a knife to her neck, Ada explains that she and Wesker no longer work for Umbrella and need her help to defeat another version of the Red Queen, who's taken control of Umbrella. And when Wesker hacks into the facility's system, him and Ada explain the nature of the facility to her, revealing it was the testing bay, the testing place for the T-virus and all these simulations and what have you. The Red Queen ends up getting control again of the base. And Ada and Alice escape. They go through the New York simulation, go through the quote-unquote Axemen, which are the executioners. They Then from there, they go to the suburbia simulation, get Becky. And Ada ends up, in the end, getting captured by Jill's little team. She appears again at the end with the submarine with Rain and Jill. She ends up getting knocked out, of course. And apparently she as well died in Washington. Nope, can't happen. Capcom has rules against it. I think that was just a massive scapegoat. Like, okay, we don't want to bring them back. Hey, they all died in Washington, D.C. So, I'm not going to go into Luther West because we already did him in Afterlife. And basically, he was here for a second, got punched in the heart and died. So, there's Luther's. Let's go into Leon. Not my Leon. He was a refugee and the leader of a resistance force assembled by Wesker to go into the facility, the underground facility. So his team comprised of Barry Burton, Luther West, and two others, Sergey and Tony. They had ended up planted bomb, planting bombs on the surface and interior of the facility. 
and they were to go off in two hours to destroy the facility regardless of the team or Alice has escaped. So they have exactly two hours. They were to rendezvous with Ada in the suburbia simulation and head back to the surface. But when they had entered Moscow simulation, they met they were met with heavy resistance from the Las Plagas undead. And they ended up being pinned down, which threw them off schedule. Until Alice rescued them in a Rolls Royce. They're very specific about their cars in this movie. So they end up getting to the elevator eventually. Until the... Umbrella soldiers start their attack. They end up reuniting with Alice and Becky because Alice had left to go retrieve Becky. Even though Leon, oh, Leon, was like, no, don't rescue her. Because that's not my Leon. They end up meeting back up, get out before the explosion hits, right before the explosion hits. They get in their little car get met with the submarine. He helps, he's attempting to help Luther with the fight against the bad rain. Gets his ass kicked. And eventually, you know, they end up making it to Washington, D.C., which, guess what? Supposedly he died there, too. Dumb. Real damn dumb. Oh, they really just like, oh, okay, you're still alive. You you died in Washington, D.C. Let's go to Sergey. He was the navigator of Leon's resistance team. He had led the group through the facility using a digital pad of sorts that held the entire map of the base. When they were attacked in Moscow by the huge plague of... Un- the Las Plagas are dead. He was one of them that had actually managed to escape that without dying. Just to then be killed by an Uber liquor by being, being pulled onto the roof. And he was decapitated. And that's Sergei. He lost his head. For Sergei. My boy, poor Sergei. <laughs> There's a fun little fact here about him, though. According to Kazyanov, as a young man, Sergei once worked for Umbrella as a technician. That And that is explaining his ability to infiltrate the corporation's systems without any issue. That's kind of a fun little fact there. He used to work for Umbrella. So let's go to Barry. Because even in here, they made Barry a badass. Cigar-smoking badass? Yeah. They didn't do Barry dirty in this, except for killing him off, but that's a different story. So he's another one of the members of Leon's resistance team. He is described as Leon's partner in crime and close friend. He ends up holding his own alongside the team against the horde of the Las Plagas in Moscow, and against the liquor that pursues them through the Faux City. He ends up getting injured 
by the reappearance of the liquor, however, which slashes him across the face. Of course, being the badass that he is, he shrugs it off and continues to fight. Until they're attacked by Jill and her squad. He ends up sacrificing himself in a badass way so they can continue on forward. And I've already explained his badass death, so I won't go into that whole thing. But here's a fun little fact. Barry wears a gray t-shirt with a red vest over it. His black cargo pants are covered by combat boots. He also wears black gloves for protection against the ice field. He wears a black hat and a red coat. His dark hair is styled like his game counterpart. So he looks like his game counterpart. They did one fucking thing right. <laughs> I liked how they did that. They they left Barry alone. So now we have Tony. He was one of the two other survivors that accompanied Leon, Luther, Barry, and Sergey. And their little rescue trip. And, you know, there's not much on Tony. What ended up happening was in the Moscow simulation where they were attacked by the Las Plagas, a dead, the chainsaw man. Since this doesn't exactly go after four or anything in five, we can't call him Dr. Salvatore. Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man ends up driving it into his chest. Yes. So. Bye, Tony. Bye, Tony. There's not much on him. So. See you, Tony. He got chainsawed. They didn't saw that one coming. <laughs> wow. So the next one I'm going to go into, the last one I'm going to go into is the one you wanted the most. J-pop girl. <laughs> yes. So unfortunately, though, this J-pop girl is the clone of the J-pop girl. They cloned a zombie. Why am I not surprised? So I'm not going to go into the clone part because that's not what you want to hear. You want to hear about the actual J-pop girl. So I'm going to go into the actual J-pop girl here. So nothing is really concrete about J-pop girl's life before becoming patient zero. But what is known is that Umbrella Prime had her DNA and was actually producing clones in identical clothing. So this may indicate she was a released or escaped clone. Now this is back in Afterlife. If that's the case, she had a very short life and had only limited memories, though enough to act as a realistic human teenager. So J-pop girl's a teenager. So J-pop girl is legitimately a little girl. Well, teenager. I mean, little girl, I think of like a five, six-year-old. Okay, all right, fair enough. Nothing cool? Like she wasn't a part of like a super awesome cool rock band or... No, I think they just called her J-pop girl because, <sighs> like, she kind of looks like a J-pop girl. That's so disappointing. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about... I wanted her to have the best backstory of all the characters ever. You could make it up. <laughs> J-pop girl fought crime. <laughs> right, so... She got infected fighting against Umbrella. 
Okay, this is not canon. This is not canon for anything other than in my mind, listeners. J-Pop Girl was a member of the band, like, let's see, the T-Zombies. Her band name was T-Zombies, and they toured around the world. Mm. Yeah. She just happened to be back on break. From her last big tour back in Tokyo, where then she got taken and tested on and got released back into Tokyo to start the pandemic. This is not canon. This is all in my head, listeners. I still go down in history stating that she was some sort of vigilante. Vigilante? <laughs> wow. <laughs> she got bit. Bad bad day. She's vigilante against the Umbrella Corporation. <laughs> yeah so that's basically that's my characters because I'm not going into Wesker until the next movie then I will go deep into Wesker and what he's done in the movies alright and yeah that's that's about it that's it for me now it's on to Daniel oh sorry I left my homework at home well, Daniel, you better run home and get that shit because it's your turn to talk B.O.W.'s. Told you when I talk about B.O.W.'s, it's usually a holiday season <laughs> and stores are sold out. Well, not this time. All right. So for the B.O.W.'s, of course, we have zombies, which these continue to be similar to the zombies from the past movies, the, the normal zombies. We also have the Axemen or the Executioners, which the two seen in the movie uh, appear to be taller than their predecessor and the other one that's how it looks and uh, apparently they're weak to explosions that's <laughs> <laughs> what I've taken from that oh my god can't kill them a normal way gotta use explosions and then they don't look at them oh boy then you also have I call the super lucker but it keeps getting coined as the uber lucker like, my mind goes straight to the gutter when you say super liquor. <laughs> straight all, to the gutter. That's all on you. <laughs> now I'm going to throw up a little bit in my mouth here. In the gutter. <laughs> so the super or uber liquor, they have even sharper claws as well as a now forked tongue capable of lifting up a human. Has a stronger durability capable of taking strong weapons fire. And it also has the ability to cocoon victims in an organic substance to deal with at a later time. If the liquor could get worse. Organic substance. I'm, okay. I have completely taken myself out of this because I. It just keeps getting worse. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's just a weird gooey organic substance that he encases them in to take care of them later. Daniel! God damn it! I'm out. Continue, please. That's why I'm trying to find some wrongness in my next one, too. Oh, don't worry. I'll find this. Uh, so, next we have the Lost Plagas Undead. These are dead are capable of weapon use, such as automated weapons, as well as chainsaws and melee weapons. 
They seem to be capable of planning as they use a rocket launcher to allow ease of access to the other protagonist in the Moscow scenario. Yeah, last sentence, Ariel. <laughs> I can see you trying not to think about it. Oh, no, go ahead, please. About the ease of access. <laughs> so what you're telling me is now that they have the capability of using toys. <sighs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> you wanted it. I gave it. <laughs> and now last we have the Capepio. Same that Aaron always laughs at. <laughs> As of Resident Evil Retribution, not much is known about the creature. Paul Anderson stated they were a means to counteract humanity's aerial technology. Because how else will we survive if we have helicopters and everything else? Yeah. We might have more about those in the next movie. Capepio. <laughs> when I think Capepio, I think of like that's a Mario monster. It just that's what it reminds me of, like a Capepio. It's, it's like Bullet Mario Bill monster. or Capepio. <laughs> but that is what I currently have on the BOWs for Resident Evil Retribution. They kind of fall in line with the Koopas. <laughs> Capepios. I'm so done. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, well, with everything else out of the way, let's get to our mid-break. Well, here we are in the middle of the episode. Daniel, what do we do in the middle of the episode? I don't know. I left all that information with my homework. Should have just asked Ariel. Ariel, what do we do? Make a Joe sandwich. Mmm, uh, <laughs> tasty. I'm sure you would think so. Nope. I thought it was itchy and tasty. <laughs> itchy and tasty. Ugh. <laughs> That's, ugh. No, we need to get away from this. No, we thank our patrons. <laughs> this is all reference to Resident Evil stuff. No. So it's not like it's an issue. <laughs> it's gross. Uh, anyway, so we have to thank our patrons, such as our VIP patrons, Oracle, Barry King, Cerberus91, Chaotic Kia, Chris Slate, Didog47. <laughs> Everything Res Evil, Glenn Meeks, Jay Zoobs, Jeremy Kelly, Kyle Wilson, Lord Salazar, Mystery Pimo, Naked Mango, Star Power Bitches. Yeah. <laughs> the Compound, The Pumpkin King, Seven Sins, and William Jackson. We also have to thank our All Access patrons, Antique to Gen Z. Bowie, Donnie Shanks, Edward Parks, Remington Cloutier, and our official patrons, Ryan Black, Santa Beast 72, and some random guy. So thank you, patrons. Yes, thank you. We greatly appreciate it. And we greatly appreciate you listeners, because without you, we wouldn't have a show. I say this every time. We would still have a show, just no one to listen. And we'd be doing it for an absolutely zero reason. Except for like <laughs> our minds being in the gutter constantly. Because <laughs> uh, we're all, you know, children. We wouldn't have purpose without our listeners. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Yes, thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. You're all wonderful. And we love you very much. And you're incredible people. 
So thank you. With that being said, Daniel, what'd you bring for the mid break? No homework. No, definite just, homework. Just my own plot armor. <laughs> tink. Tink, tink. So on Etsy, if you are interested in any of the vile containers like we've had in the past, there is a vendor known as SciTech Studio that has the complete virus and pathogen lab sample vial prop collection. But no display case. You'll have to get that on your own. Looks like it has 20 different vials of viruses and parasites. For the collection, it runs $326.70. Looks like it ships from the UK. See, it has a lot of good reviews. Says it's very good quality. But yes, if you want to get that, hopefully you don't share these vials with your friends. They might get sick. <laughs> one day, one day I will have the complete set of viruses in a nice display case. <laughs> one day. One day. They are pretty nicely labeled with the different Plagas, C-Virus, Ouroboros, the G-Virus. It even has the A-Virus and the mold. I only have three viruses. In <laughs> vials. Not uh, myself. Okay. Not myself. But I only have three. I have the Las Plagas. I have the T-Virus and the Antivirus. That's all I have. That looks I like only you, have three viruses. Looks like you need $326. Mm. I wish I had $326. Yeah. Well, plus more because I'll need to get the case for it too. Because I'd like to like it nice and neat. And I like that one case you brought like forever ago, Daniel. That lit up. I like that one. It's somewhere in the episodes. <laughs> but yes, if you want to get this collection of the different vials and then send us pictures of it, the price of it is three twenty six seventy on Etsy by SciTech Studio. SciTech makes some good stuff. We've talked about SciTech a couple times on this pod. Yeah, we have. As long as it's not a Psyduck. Psyduck? <laughs> well, Ariel, I know we usually have you go next, but I'm actually going to go next. Wow. Because yours is way cooler, and I think we should leave off with yours. Yeah. Save I hope the this, best for last. I hope this buildup is true. It's true. It's probably disappointed. not. It's true. It's true. It's probably not. So, uh, <laughs> I also brought something from Etsy. <clears throat> Do your feet get cold no. when you stand adamantly playing your Resident Evil game, screaming at the TV because that's some bullshit. You should have, shouldn't have, chainsaw guys shouldn't be that fast. Who has feet? <laughs> Who has feet? A lot of people, Daniel. A lot of people do. Do you want to feel some warm and fuzzies below your feet? No. What if I told you you could feel the warm and fuzzies from none other than the umbrella logo itself under your feet? I would think I got a virus. <laughs> Is that a fourth virus I have now? So, on Etsy, right now, you can get a Resident Evil Round Rug Umbrella Corporation Raccoon City Mat. So, this is the Umbrella logo in a circular rug pattern. Uh, it is handmade and... It is 100% polyester. It is one size. It is a 60 by 60. 
or 152 centimeter by 152 centimeter. It is 0.4 thick or 10 millimeters thick. <laughs> and it has hemmed edges and a durable texture face. It's very, very nice. And the price right now is 15% off. You can get it for $148.31. And it comes to us from the creator, The Next Gift. I just love that name. The Next Gift. Like, this is the next one you will buy. (laughs) So, yeah, if you want a nice little cozy rug to stand on while you play your sweet Resident Evil, or maybe you just lounge across, you know, this is the one for you. I mean, in all seriousness, I do really like it, and I would, I would definitely use it. So I'm done, Ariel. What do you have? So before I get into what I brought, I just want to give a quick shout out, real quick, to Happy Corgi Crafts on Etsy. I had purchased a one of the RE4 blue medallions from them, and I absolutely love it. It's so awesome. It's hanging up in the studio. And like not only did I get like an awesome handmade blue medallion, like they sent a nice little thank you letter with a bunch of little extra little things. I got a whole bunch of different stickers, got some Resident Evil stickers, got some Corgi stickers cuz who doesn't love Corgis? <laughs> and you know, just a bunch of nice little stuff. Like, like they really do take good care of their customers. That was so nice of them for that nice thank you letter and the Resident Evil stickers and stuff that I had gotten put into my order for the Blue Medallion. I just wanted to give them a quick shout out. Mm-hmm. Right now, unfortunately, it looks like they're sold out of the Blue Medallions on Etsy, but they may be remaking them, so just keep an eye out for them. I had posted a picture of the my blue medallion on discord a while ago so if you have discord you should go check out the picture if not just search it up on etsy and they may be remaking them so yeah it's definitely worth a buy because it's super awesome so i just wanted to give a quick shout out to them i wanted to say thank you for that so what i have brought are you ready i am so i read an article much like I always do. This one comes from Eurogamer. And the title is, Capcom wants you to choose what Resident Evil it remakes next. Dino Crisis. Dino Crisis. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Resident Evil, Daniel. Damn it, Daniel. It's Capcom, but not Resident Evil. Anyways. So the subtitle for this is funny, and I'm going to say it because it's funny. And if you don't reply code Veronica, I'm coming for you. Oh, God. No, that's the subtitle. (laughs) And I would have to agree. So, anyways, Capcom wants your help in deciding what Resident Evil game next gets the remake treatment. In a new survey circulated to Resident Evil fans, Capcom first pulls your thoughts on its social media channels, engages how much you use, and appreciate its community efforts. But, right at the end, once you've fed back on its various channels and websites, it asks you two more questions. Please let us know any opinions, comments you have about the activities on the various Resident Evil websites. And let us know if there are any other Resident Evil games you want remade. All of them. <laughs> so, 
Capcom has remade three of the first four Resident Evil games. Most recently, Resident Evil 4, which is the second highest rating 2023 game on Metacritic. You'll never guess what's number one. What? Tears of the Kingdom. (laughs) Yeah. Tears of the Kingdom beat out Resident Evil 4. Yeah, buddy. That's okay, because it's still number two. And Capcom recently gave us a little look at the RE4's upcoming VR mode. So you have that to look forward to. So yeah, that is basically the article. They are looking for, there's a survey going around about what should be remade next. And I think everyone, I believe everyone is in agreement. It should be Code Veronica. So yeah, that's my vote. Code Veronica. Should be. Should be. In all honesty, it should be. Well, I just figured out another one on Amusha. Daniel? I know these are just Capcom and not Resident Evil. I know. I wouldn't expect anything less out of you, Daniel. Especially if it was Dino Crisis. I'm excited for this. That's not Capcom, I know. I'm, I'm excited for the Silent Hill remakes. Now I should be judgmental because you just got on to me about Dino Crisis. Yeah. I didn't really get on you nope. about Dino nope. Crisis. I'm I was just saying it wasn't <laughs> Resident Evil. I am over-exaggerating. 20-fold. 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 Yep. Don't know what I'm folding, but it's 20 times. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's all I got. <sighs> well, uh, I told you it was exciting news. So go out there. Get voting. Make sure it's Code Veronica. Uh, <laughs> Make sure it's Code Veronica. I mean, yeah, said. there's there's others I would like to see remade, but the next one I want is Code Veronica. Like, I'd love them to actually remake Resident Evil 1. Remake Zero, do the outbreaks, you know, so on and so forth. There's others I would like to see remade, but Code Veronica's next. Come on. Unpopular opinion? want to see Operation Raccoon City redone. Yeah, but it's not canon. Don't care. If Don't they, care. And if they did it well, it would be fine. I wouldn't be upset about it. Well, if they're doing a remake version, they could do enough to it to make some of the story canon like we've discussed where up to a certain point, you know, this is canon and then they can even say like some games I've seen before will say, you know, this is not like what the story should be. Yeah. Yeah. And that way then you have that choice. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna kill Leon. You know that that's not canon per the rest of the games. Yeah. See, I also would like for them to create a Resident Evil game that operates much like the division. That would be similar to Operation Raccoon. Yep. Yep. But I want it to be like make your own character kind of thing. Meh. I mean, it would be cool for everyone else. Yeah. yeah. I'm not much of a... FPS. Yeah. I'm not much of that. Well, so, yeah. But I'm not like, oh, I hate it and don't want it. No, like, cool for you guys. I'm happy for you. I just wouldn't play it. I'd be totally cool if they came out with that and then like a year later came out with like a normal Resident Evil game. I just I just really want an FPS style Resident Evil game that's decent. That's worth a damn? Yeah. That doesn't have tank controls and ridiculous... No. 
I, I want I want my I want my FPS. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's the end of the mid break. Yep. Except oh, for we're talk about our sponsor. So, roll on over to Fan Roll Dice. Use our promo code Almighty C10, which is A L L Mighty, the letter C, and ten, and save yourself ten percent off a set of dice, or dice tray, or dice bag, or dice tower, dice accessories. Huh. And they have multiple different dice to choose from, such as resin, silicone, wooden, metal, gemstone, bunch of different types. They have new dice now, where it's like the liquid core dice where they have something in the middle with liquid and it floats around. Yeah, the dragon eye dice that I have. Yeah, the dragon eye (laughs) dice are pretty cool. Aaron had gotten himself a set and they are pretty cool because the eye just follows you around and bobs. It's cool. So, yeah. Head on over there. Find yourself something awesome and save yourself 10% off on it by using our promo code, which will be in the show notes below. I have several sets of dice from fan roll and i can attest to their quality and i love them so there you go yay fan roll speaking of fan roll they got confirmation they're gonna be at gen con this year sweet (laughs) i gotta go buy more dice uh yeah i'm definitely gonna (laughs) buy more dice i wonder if we can go up to the counter and be like hey i got this promo code (laughs) if they'll let us they'll probably they'll probably be like get the fuck out (laughs) god damn it guys (laughs) oh my god i'm gonna try it uh, I already messaged uh, the big boss at uh, FanRoll, and they uh, they sent me a, he sent me an email back saying uh, we're definitely gonna be there. We'll look for you guys. I said we're gonna wear all kinds of different merch shirts, so you should, we should stand out in the crowds. Oh, because nobody else at Gen Con is gonna be wearing any sort of any type of merch shirt. No. Our merch shirts, just just plain. I doubt anybody's gonna be wearing our merch shirts at Gen. At any rate, they're gonna be there, so we're gonna spend money on dice. Oh, I'm definitely spending money on dice. <laughs> Uh, but with that being said, too, we're going to be at Gen Con. Myself, Ariel, Daniel, I believe Michelle's coming from the Fumbling Four. Yes, Michelle is coming, but um, not sure if a lot of you listeners would know who Michelle is because mm. she's only on the TTRPGs, not the Lorecast. Yeah, so. so, but Michelle is coming as well. But if you see us popping around, feel free to come up to us, talk to us, say hi. And if you have hi. no idea what we look like because we are on a podcast where you don't see us. Good luck. Aaron is very bald. <laughs> I am short. And just look like a bitch. We're going to be wearing merch shirts. Daniel is Daniel. So. Just look for the shirts that say Legend of Zelda Lorecast and Arya Lorecast. <laughs> I think actually you're going to be wearing what? Call of Cthulhu? No, I think I was wearing Resident Evil. I don't know. Oh, so. Well, You'll know. You'll know us. I'll we'll be, be wearing, wearing the merch shirts. I'll be wearing clothes. <laughs> You'll be wearing clothes. I hope so. No, look for the uh, man that isn't wearing clothes, and that's Daniel. What a twist. What a twist. Uh, look for the giant Mr. Clean. <laughs> that's Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> you should get white pants. I and should a get white, white pants <laughs> and a white shirt. Wear it there. That's I'm going to cosplay as Mr. Clean. You should do that. I should. I should. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, so that is the end of the mid break. So let's get to the end of the episode. Well, here we are, the end of the episode. You know what that means? 
know what time it is, gang. Go home. Time to get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, but not before we talk about how we felt about this. It's discussion time. <laughs> oh, I felt some things. <laughs> All right, you're ready. Yeah, Ariel, you go first. What do you want to talk about? All right, so let's start with the beginning. I know you weren't a huge fan of it, but I did kind of like that whole everything's going in like reverse thing and this on the start of Arcadia. The slow motion, like reversing weird thing and. Okay. It's cool. I just didn't like it because ADHD doesn't like me sitting through things for long periods of time. <laughs> but you watch movies. Yeah, those are cool. Those are interesting. Things are always changing. That was literally just reversing as slow as possible and then going back into showing me the exact same thing I watched in reverse. It was annoying. Well, anyways, I thought it was pretty cool. It was just something different, something I found like just visually appealing. Just... I thought it was really cool. And then, yeah, once they got to the end, then it went forward again mm-hmm. and, you know, showed it all. I liked it. <laughs> it was cool. It was creative. I will 100% give you that. There is no arguments there. That was a very creative beginning. It was a very cool styling. Yeah. And then, as soon as that was over, it was like, bam, now all of a sudden, like, suburban housewife Alice and husband Carlos. <laughs> Can I, I just, I just want to say something real quick. Every time one of these movies starts after the first one, I honestly thought I was always watching the wrong one. Every freaking time. Probably were. <laughs> Probably. At one point, the beginning of one of the movies, I can't remember which one, it starts off just like the beginning of the first movie. No, sorry, it's the second movie where she comes out of the hospital. No, that is the end of the first one, right? She cocks the shotgun. Yeah. 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 So it begins just like that one ended. And I was like, am I watching the wrong fucking one? Oh, boy. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Same thing happened with this one. Suburban Housewife. I was like, am I watching the wrong fucking movie? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember when I very first watched this and I was like, what? What the hell's going on? <laughs> because it went from that like nice visually appealing start of what happened on the Arcadia to suburban housewife Alice. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck? <coughs> I mean, it yes, it was cool. It just caught me off guard because I was not expecting that. You don't ex- you're expecting action packed, you know, explosions everything else Paul Anderson throws mm-hmm. in his movies to oh hey you're living a nice suburban life hey, hey Carlos is back and now he's your husband and now you have this cute little kid named Becky and what I, it was so fucked so yeah I and then you go through that whole spiel of the zombies attack and blah blah and you're like, damn, they made Carlos a little bitch in this. And then, you know, the whole thing. Alice ends up get dying. Because Carlos ate her. 
It... <laughs> then you're like, what the hell is going on? I honestly, the whole time that whole sequence is going through when I first watched this movie, I thought they better not be redoing the entire series. And this is how they're going to portray the anti like the the hero this better not be how they're gonna do it like this is what would have happened if you know she wasn't all of the things that she ends up being at the end of the series or she wasn't a badass this is what would have happened normally and we're gonna get new heroes i'm like motherfucker you better not i was happy to find out they were clones i know i just kept when i first first watched this when it came out in theaters I went to theaters and watched it and I was just sitting there like where is this going trying to figure out where the heck they were going with this and then you finally get back into the movie of it but I did like that it was it wasn't expected something different while still because, you know, later on you find out that's the, the suburban simulation, blah, blah, blah. I liked it because it was something different than what we were used to. It was the introduction of, ooh, nice suburban life while also keeping it in the movie by showing us the sub- suburbia simulation. It was nice. So then you get into the movie and you get into Jill. It was interrogating Alice in the room using the white noise to try to get her to talk and then all of a sudden this is this is one thing I don't understand all of a sudden okay so you find out Ada cut the power goes off randomly a drawer opens up with clothes that her stuff was already in there yeah like talk about plot armor Daniel <laughs> I've never heard of it. Where was your tank now? (laughs) It just, oh, just conveniently let me open this random drawer in the wall. And hey, here's some clothes. (laughs) What threw me off was the power got cut, yet the drawer could still open. With conveniently placed clothes, yes. I agree with you completely. How did the drawer open? Did Ada, like, hack into the random little drawer that was kept in there for (laughs) Alice to have clothes? So it would open uh, up. Maybe it's on a thing. Like if there's no power to the locks, it opens. It just opens automatically. Maybe. I mean, well, that's probably more explainable. <laughs> that would yeah. that would imply, from my basic understanding of engineering. Nope. This is that would imply that the natural, like the original position of the drawer was open, meaning that I I cannot fathom that that's not the only locking mechanism that they built in the entire facility that was if they really did create that as the original position is open when power's off then everything else is too yeah maybe it is well <laughs> well and you could also argue if you wanted to go down this route you could also argue that that random drawer was on its own power supply huh. Why put Listen, a drawer I'm, on a power supply? I'm just saying, if we want to go down this route, <laughs> that could be another explanation. It had its <laughs> own power supply, and it was programmed to, if the power is cut and Alice is in the room, we open up. 
with our clothes. Another complaint I have is let's let's go back to the first movie, okay, when power gets cut and causes issues. Why isn't there a backup power supply in any of these freaking places? I feel like there might have been. There probably was. However, the Red Queen was in control, so she could also Mm. control the backup generators and power supplies. I mean, they had backup power. They said it in the first one. Backup power was good to go, blah, blah, blah. But then when they restored power or they did, they restored something. Oh, no, that's what it was. Never mind. I will retract my statement because they had a mass reset on the Red Queen in the first one, which Mm -hmm. caused all of the stuff to open up. Okay. All right. I retract my original statement. My bad. I'll shut up. I'll go back to my corner. <laughs> Drawers on its own power supply, according to Ariel. It has its own plot armor. It has its own plot armor. I hear the sound of something <laughs> tinking off of it. Oh, boy. The worst part is, you know, when we all watched it the first time, this is not something we really gave a shit about. Or at least I can openly say I didn't give a shit about it. I just kind of assumed Ada hacked the computer and opened the drawer. Oh, I just was like, oh, it's a movie and this just conveniently happened. <laughs> oh, how convenient. This drawer opens with clothes that just happened to fit Alice perfectly and was there for her. And yeah. Spondage gear. That stuff cinches up. <laughs> wow, Daniel. Makes her look sleek and sexy, of course, you know, because that's how Umbrella dresses all of their people. Just ask Jill. <laughs> Oh, God. No. So, what do you want to talk about, Daniel? Me? Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. No, whatever. I think we should have got some sharks in this. Why? I mean, we were in an underground facility. They could have put a water area. And then we could have got our sharks. That we haven't had in anything, but potentially in Death Island coming out. They had the perfect opportunity to do so in Afterlife on the boat, on Arcadia, because of Resident Evil Revelations. You have the shark monster on there, like in the boat, in the game. They had the perfect opportunity to do that. And you could even argue of putting it in retribution in the underground facility, having a water area. So we could have our shark zombie thing. CGI was probably too much for a, a shark. Listen, if Sharknado can do it. <laughs> yeah, but this is, I think, before Sharknado even was out at all. Really? I think so. I think the Sharknado movies come out pretty quickly. (laughs) Still. Are you comparing Paul Anderson's movies to Sharknado right now? Is that what I'm hearing? That's what it sounds like, at least the first one. Not really comparison, (laughs) just saying that they could have. He could have. Okay, you're lucky, Ariel. Sharknado came out a year before this movie came out. No, no, no. Wait, wait. Sorry. A year after. Oh, a year after. Oh, well. It was a year before final chapter. Damn. See? Even even so. If <laughs> they can afford to make CGI sharks on Sharknado, they could have in Paul Anderson's. 
And hopefully they look better. Oh my gosh. Sharknado. Yeah, there was, I think there's a lot of stuff they could have done with this. There was a lot of stuff they could have done in this that they did not do. But there's a lot of stuff that they did do, though. Like what? Like, they put Leon in. No. <laughs> I don't like the way they made Leon. They made Leon very much for the mission. He was very much a Chris in this aspect. Yeah. Because the Leon in the games would have helped Alice get Becky back. But the Leon in this was very much, no, we have to complete the mission at hand. That's very much a Chris thing. I'm not saying Chris doesn't have the heart to go help a little girl. But Chris is heavily finished the mission. So I don't like how they portrayed Leon in this. Mm. Solely because of that. That wasn't the same Leon. Ada. They made her almost helpless in this. Yes. Ada's not helpless. She pretends to be, but she never is. No, she is very much very intelligent. I will get out of this type of situation. And they made her, I don't know. They just, they made her very, to me, it seems she was weak. She ended up like Alice was basically the ones that killed the two executioners in the New York simulation mm -hmm. while they made Ada look like a little bitch in it then when it came to like the whole gunfighting thing and Ada shooting the circle out to go down okay yeah that is something Ada would do yes pretending to be captured so she could get out of it yes but then at the end, when they come up on a submarine with rain just knocking her out. So she's just out of the end fight completely. That it's not Ada. Come on. No, we've seen Ada fight in several different situations. We've even got a chance to play as Ada before and Ada don't take hits from behind. She would the real Ada would have known. The real Ada would have already been out of the handcuffs just pretending to wear them. Yeah. Remember, Ada fought a combat master, and I don't think Bad Rain is that trained as that, <laughs> as that combat master in yeah. what was that uh, damnation? Yep. I just don't like the way they made Ada either. They just made her seem helpless, and Ada is not helpless. Barry. Okay, I have no complaints about Barry. <laughs> I really don't. They did make him awesome. I hate that he died. In the movie. But they did make him a badass. I liked Barry in this movie. I'm not going to touch on him. They, they did him pretty well. I do have a complaint. What? I'm curious to know how they managed to get away with killing Barry off in this movie when Capcom has a no-kill policy on their main characters. I know. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Maybe because this is later on. This is number five in the series. So maybe Capcom got a little bit more lenient with Anderson and allowed it. Yeah. <clears throat> because now they were kind of since Afterlife and it being heavily influenced by Five, maybe they kind of were like, mm, okay, we'll let this slide. Maybe. 
I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. I had that thought. And then I also had the thought of, is it possible they don't consider Barry a main character? Well, I think there's that. But then also with the whole being so far through, after two, you basically, the entire story diverges from being anywhere close to the canon stuff. Yeah, because even in three, Carlos died. And we don't know in games what happened to Carlos after three. Again, Carlos considered, is he considered main character material? I mean, that's, I guess that's my question is, is that these characters that they're killing off left and right, are they considered main character material? Is that why Capcom let them go? Like, yeah, you guys can do it. It's fine. Possibly. Well, well, yeah, but if we go with the whole thing with the Washington DC thing, if Jill supposedly died, she's a main character. I know, but then it was never implied in the movies. You just never know. Yeah. They never said it. There's never an implication. Well, I'll get back to it's that just in the next episode. There. Yeah, I'm like... It's, because if that's the case, the thing I'm going to bring up in the next episode wouldn't be a thing either. Yeah, they said one thing, which I'll wait until the next... When we go into the next movie, one thing they did say that could have been taken as an implication. But it was never just outright said, hey, Leon and, and Jill and everybody you know they all died at Washington that was yeah. never said yeah it was just kind of loose ended left open kind of thing but I think you might be on to something more with this with saying that maybe Capcom gave them some leeway because at this point Capcom was like well you guys are so derailed from the original shit it doesn't really matter yeah maybe since they saw the Anderson universe as a split off from theirs mm. that maybe they were like mm, okay so Daniel anything else I think there was oh. until we got on the tangent uh, <laughs> I don't remember you might have to come back to me <laughs> got anything else Ariel of course I do okay let's hear it I know you keep interrupting me not letting me continue on my five hour long tangent of oh. retribution so Okay, I know we've, like, talked about it briefly here and there. I love love what they did with Rain. <laughs> okay, I love it. I think it was funny and great. The whole, from one extreme of her in one being this gun-toting badass to the other extreme where she's this um, activist. Like, this hardcore. gun gun control activist and she's super nice and you know Karen and it just I love to see that it was just a funny addition to the movie because I know they were solely going for the comedic aspect of that and they nailed it it was great and I loved it it I will admit that it first time that they brought up as an activist it almost bothered me because I have I had a friend when this movie came out. I had a friend who was a environmental activist, and I helped him out quite a bit. And he, you know, he drove his Prius and everything else, and he was a good dude. And he wasn't against guns and all this other stuff. He just wanted to protect the planet, kind of thing. So the first time this came out, it kind of bothered me that they were like gone to the extreme. And then I rewatched it and went, "Okay, it's Hollywood. Take a step back from your throne, Aaron." 
take a step off your freaking platform and just accept it for what it is. It's Hollywood. They're trying to take it to the extreme and make it funny. Oh, yeah. I didn't take it as them making fun of activists. Yeah. Because I didn't feel like they were making fun of activists. When I say go from one extreme to the other, it's just you have this gun-toting mm-hmm. badass. Then you go to the other end where now she will not touch a gun and she's trying to, you know, get gun laws and gun control. And it's just that was what I mean when I meant like the extremes. Oh, yeah. I didn't feel like they were making fun of activists and I'm not making fun of activists. I just thought it was the comedic value of going from one extreme personality to another extreme personality. It was so funny to me. Oh, it it really is. I, I, like I said, I just had to step off my soapbox and (laughs) look at reality. Well, I think they wanted to make her definitely different because if you come into this movie with a similar reign, it doesn't make the character much different. You have to look at the original character and go, okay, we need to have the polar opposite. And how will we accomplish that? Well, I mean, they made the polar opposite of Alice. I mean, her polar opposite clone was very timid and, you know, shy. Kind of, you know, the typical, like, Hollywood housewife is portrayed on TV and movie. So it would only make sense that they do it for Rain to go from gun-toting, smoking badass to, I'm an activist. (laughs) I did realize what I was going to say. If the zombies that were swimming were Los Plagas zombies, when Rain got taken into the water, why were they, like, attacking her or trying to pull her down instead of just leaving her be if she's injected with Los Plagas? Yes, because the way Las Plagas works, even if you're going to go off of Paul Anderson, you never saw the Las Plagas undead attack each other. They were attacking Leon and his group in the Moscow simulation. Okay. If she had injected herself, which she did, with the Las Plagas, why were they attacking her? They would have recognized her as one of them. And at least left her alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Answer that, Aaron. I can't because it's bullshit. <laughs> you can, I mean, you could sit and try to argue about how they are the the undead and they're zombified. They all look gross and decayed, and maybe they smelled fresh meat because she hadn't decayed yet or anything. But even then, they would sense the Las Plagas in her and stop. Well, the parasite itself would be the yeah the determining there, even if it's their bodies under control. Exactly. They would have recognized she had the Las Plagas and would have left her alone. See, I have a bigger problem with all this. The Las Plagas is a parasite, Uh which means it has to thrive off of a living host. We've done... Since Las Plagas has been introduced in these movies, it's just derailed from there. Yeah. So, by that definition, these zombies shouldn't have the Las Plagas to begin with. And yes, you can argue it's a modified Las Plagas... And that may be why they attacked Rain. But even then, it's still Las Plagas. Yeah, because I think what they were going with is Las Plagas tampered with the T-virus. So that's why they're undead. But even then, they still didn't attack each other. And no, zombies with the T-virus don't attack each other either. So why would they attack Rain? That's the whole thing. Why would they attack her? They... 
the Plagas don't attack each other, the T-Virus don't attack each other, Lost Plagas T-Virus, what do then in turn don't attack each other? Well, it's like the G-Virus, Lost Plagas, or Lost Plagas, T-Virus infectees don't attack G-Virus infectees. They're two different separate viruses. I mean, realistically, G-Virus is derived from T-Virus, blah, 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 but they're still technically two different strands. So if you're going with the whole Lost Plagas tampered with T-Virus, it's still two different strands and should follow the G-Virus, T-Virus rule. We're not going to attack each other. We're going to attack the main, you know, living hosts that aren't infected. What the hell? <laughs> they just needed a easy way to get rid of rain. That's exactly what it was. It was plot armor all the way through. Tink, tink. <laughs> no, no, her plot armor ran out. That's Alice's plot armor. That's why she's still alive after six movies. It's <laughs> uh, <sighs> mainly what I wanted to bring up. That's what I've forgotten earlier. Well, is that all you wanted to talk about with the Lost Blogus? Because I know you had some issues you wanted to talk about. That was essentially my issues. Okay, I have one big issue with the Lost Blogus that Rain injected. <laughs> the bullets? <laughs> yeah, one, the bullets coming out of her body. I've never seen that happen. Out of her fingertips. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Two, how come the Lost Plagas took effect so rapidly? The Lost Plagas did not, ha- it did not take effect that quick. No, because what you're getting injected with is like the baby, mm-hmm. and it has to go in and like, you know, mm-hmm. before it becomes the adult and completely takes over your body. Yeah. So what the hell was that? And modified version plot armor. (laughs) My final complaint is there are no friends and foes when it comes to the Lost Plagas. Everybody who's not Lost Plagas is foe. Everyone. Including Jill. Mm hmm. So why is it that Rain knew who to fight and kept consciousness? Yet, in any other time we've seen the Lost Plagas used, it's literally, well, if you're not us, then you're dead. Well, you could argue, because even in 4, when Leon is injected with the Lost Plagas, he's still, well, while it's still a baby, or the egg before it hatches, you know, it, he still has control of his body. And his mind. So you could, you could argue that. But yes, it did take control rapidly, and now all of a sudden, like, bullets, she can just absorb bullets and spit them out of her fingertips. But I don't know. It's weird. It was a weird thing. That's why I was, I mean, Leon never got the bonuses of being infected. He just was in the process of being infected. There was no bonuses. Super strength and freaking shoot bullets out of his fingertips. And no. None yeah, of shit well, happened. I mean, even even if you want to argue about Paul Anderson's Lost Plagas with it being fused with the T virus or you know tampered with with the T virus, even then, spitting bullets out of your fingertips like nothing has been instantaneously active in even in the Paul Anderson universe. Like, oop, I'm injected, and I'm infected. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like super inhuman badass. Mm-hmm. Even the G virus, when utilized, 
still took time to reach its full state. Yeah, you know, it's a movie and you can do whatever you want. Apparently. <laughs> movie. Well, does anybody else have anything they want to talk about? Not particularly, no. I did like, just a little comment, I did like the addition of Jill with the thing. Oh, from five? Yeah. Or six. Resident Evil six, sorry. No, no, I was no, right. I was right the first time. Five. It's five. Six is the... Uh, I get so confused on these. <laughs> Once you get past four, I start getting confused. Anyway, five. Yeah, because I know she was in Afterlife. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it wasn't a whole bunch. It was like the little cameo of her at the end in the on the plane, whatever. So she was more in this and then the whole like Alice having to rip it off of her chest looks like in the game. I don't know. I liked that. I like that little addition. You reminded me something I wanted to talk about. Memory loss. How she didn't have it, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a reason, wasn't there? Didn't we discuss something about how, like, with Claire, it was because of... It didn't really get a chance to fully... Like, yeah. the process wasn't complete, I don't think. Yeah, and I think that's why she suffered the memory loss. While Jill, it was completed, yet it got ripped off, so she didn't suffer the memory loss. Or something like that, because we had... He and you had talked about it, didn't we, Daniel? Yeah, because she fought off her captors, and I think there's probably some type of pr process that they have to complete as far as conditioning, and she probably escaped before it was done. Or else she probably would remember who she was, too, but the Scarab's still going to be in control. Yeah, because the Scarab was still active in Claire. It just... Yeah. Whatever had happened, that I think that's that's why she suffered the memory loss where Jill didn't when it got ripped off it was like almost immediate she remembered who she was and who Alice was and all of that because she threw her the thing mm-hmm uh, like I said I didn't have a problem with it so much it was just something I wanted to talk about for clarification purposes yeah, I mean, they could have explained it, too. Yeah. I get it. It's an action-packed movie, but it takes, like, two seconds to explain something. Yeah. <laughs> well, with all that being said, nobody has else anything to talk about. Nope, I'm good. Going to ratings now? Yeah, I say, it's going to ratings. So, uh, Ariel, up first. Oh, boy. What do you got for a rating? I'm giving this a three out of five Leons. What? I know. I was not a huge fan of Retribution. I don't like how they threw in a whole bunch of main characters, Ada, Barry, Leon, etc. Didn't really give them much. Just like, hey, here's these main characters. And just throwing them all in this movie and some of them are going to die. So like that, I didn't like there wasn't too much of a story. Realistically, it was, oh, Alice got put into the 
Russia facility. By the way, there's these simulations going on. There's a rescue team coming. And you leave. That was basically the story. There wasn't much. Mm. How, like, a lot of inconsistencies with things. With the viruses and stuff like that. I don't... It felt to me like it was just one of those movies that was throw a bunch of characters in, have a bunch of deaths, and end. So, but I'm still giving it a three because there were things that I did like in it. So, like the beginning, the introduction. I liked that scene. I liked the, oh, okay, we go from that scene to now all of a sudden suburban lifestyle here. And... You weren't expecting that, so I liked that. There were other small things that I did like. That's that's why it still gets a three for me and not something lower. I didn't overall just absolutely hate the movie, but there were a lot of things I didn't like in it. So yeah, it gets a three out of five Leons for me. Okay. Daniel? I think I'm going to have to agree with three out of five Rebecca's. For one, because we don't have Rebecca in there. <laughs> I have to bring that up. I haven't, I don't think I've said that in a while. Um, I did like that uh, Bad Rain, Taofang, Luther. I thought the scene was kind of cool. I always say it because there's a game called Taofang where you could break <laughs> limbs and stuff. So the whole x-ray effect was kind of neat. And then she tried to do it to Alice. That was kind of cool, too. Uh, I I liked Bad Rain somewhat until the whole um, Las Plagas part. Yeah. Only because she was like her original counterpart, you know, pretty badass. Even though she was kind of a dick. I mean, she was kind of a dick, yeah, but I still love Rain. But yeah, over that, and then like, I agree, there's not much story. And then I just wondered how some of these entities work together without like if they're gonna attack Las Pagas like we discussed at the end then why didn't other things attack other things like the executioners because I don't think you'd be able to contain those guys pretty well in the, like the New York scenario yeah once you let those guys out well who's to say once Alice and Ada would have died uh, would they have been contained yeah but either way, I, yeah, I'm digressing from there. But yeah, overall, story-wise, eh. Uh, some of the action scenes pretty good. Especially the fights at the end, other than where they didn't let certain people fight. <laughs> then uh, the Washington, like the pan out, I thought that was kind of neat. Showing all the destruction and what was going on. That was That was a cool scene too, the end. And then the off, not knowing about President Wesker. Oh, Wesker. <laughs> President Wesker. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's that's what I've got. It's, it's very out there. I guess that's the nice way of putting it. <laughs> so what's your rating? Three out of five hunks. I have to agree with everything you both have said. It felt like a throw everything into the cooking pot and hope to make something nice. Yeah, that's what it felt like. 
it's you can definitely tell that this was the one before the last that's how I got the vibe of this movie this is the one before we make the last one this is the placeholder yeah I feel like at this point they were just like either A is Capcom gonna keep just letting us do this or B do we want to just keep doing this that's how this movie felt cool stuff in it nice introductions there was a lot more easter eggs so to speak towards the games in this one you know a lot more like nods towards the games in this one but overall it just felt like a throw it in the melting pot and hope something pretty comes out I've determined what this movie was about what so the whole movie was to get from Arcadia to Washington (laughs) D.C. And that's the two points that they knew that they wanted. And they were like, how do we get there? Well, let's do this. So you go from Arcadia, which is on like the West Coast, Mm. like by L.A., all the way to Russia. Yeah. So they just kept going west. (laughs) Right. Because then you go all the way back to Washington, D.C. Yeah. So they just kept going west. Take a big detour. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's a long point A to point B. a long B. point A to point B. That's, that's my conclusion now. I thought about that. I, I'm i going to agree with you. Yep. They just were like, well, while we're at it, why don't we just sprinkle in some Russia here and uh, call it a movie. Let's do some origin stories, you know, yeah. to how this started. Yep. And done. Okay. <laughs> Put that bullshit in the oven. Cook it for 350. That's our story. Our story is the uh, Japan scenario. Oh, my God. J-pop girl. J-pop. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm done. Well, with the reviews out of the way, it brings us to the end of the episode. So I want to thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye there. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and a review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.